Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so um, this episode is pretty cool for me. Um, this is a guy that uh, you know I, is kind of a legend um, in the bow hunting world. He's a legend in the South, um, you know, traditional bow hunting, that kind of stuff. Uh, Robert Carter, right? I mean, if you're not watching Robert Carter's, uh, channel, you are really, really missing out. He's a guy whose, uh, name I've heard since I got into traditional, uh, about five, six years ago, you know, just on different forums, um, back when forums were a thing even. And uh, he's, you know, he's he's known as a guy that just, uh, I mean, nobody questions, nobody questions his ability to, to hunt and be successful, and you know, just great woodsman. And he's got a lot of lot of experience, a lot, lot of knowledge, and um, yeah, just uh, seems like a super good guy. And um, lately, of course, he's been putting out a lot of stuff on YouTube on his YouTube channel, just under Robert Carter. And, you know, he's, he's taken us along on hunts for deer hunts and hog hunts and sharing kind of woodsmanship knowledge. And it's, it, it's a great channel. I love watching it. You can learn a ton. Uh, I got I to gotta tell you, you know, like, I mean, most of the people I have on here are, like, way more successful than I am anyway. Um, you know, let's, let's just get that straight off the bat. But, I mean, this one I, I felt like... Uh, uh, I never get starstruck by anybody. I really don't. But I, I felt like the most underclassed, I guess, let's say, uh, talking to somebody because he's just got just like so much, uh, you know, he, he's done so much. He's so successful that um, sometimes I almost felt like I was kind of tied for words. Um, just, just trying to ask like like simple questions. So I don't know. Hope I hope that didn't come off that way. But uh, there was there was just so much I wanted to, to to find out and dig deep about, especially about hunting in the South, right? I mean, I think I do a pretty good job of, of figuring stuff out up here. Uh, obviously, the body count of deer doesn't exactly uh, stack up with that uh, with that sentiment. But um, I, I feel like I know what I'm doing, right? And I, and I figured a lot of stuff out. But I watch these guys like him and Chris Spikes and you know some of these other guys that that, that hunt down south, and I'm just I'm, I'm just amazed at the a the success they have. But I mean, th there's so much more going on as far as like like feed and um, uh, uh, terrain and things like that. There's just different than than the way I hunt up here, especially the feed thing. I really wanted to dive into that. We we do that so. Um, I hope some of the questions I ask don't seem like like really st really really stupid. Uh, I, I really wanted to to just you know pick his brain like more about kind of dive a lot deeper into explaining the things he's doing and how he's how, why he's doing them than we just get in you know when we watch some of these guys on on YouTube channels. I could have talked to him for hours. He was very gracious to. Uh, uh, you know, to set aside, to set aside time late to, to talk to me. And I appreciate that, Robert. Thank you. I hope we do this again. Uh, super fun watching you. Great. It was a great honor getting to talk to you and, um, I, I appreciate the time. So, um, other than that, let's see what else there's, God, there's, there's really nothing else been going on since the last podcast. Honestly, I haven't set foot in the woods at all, uh, since, er, since early December, honestly, early December, first, first week of December, maybe, yeah, to 10 days in or something like that. And, um, yeah, I mentioned to go out, I mentioned to, uh, do, do some more stuff. I've, I've been retuning on my Pacific stick and, uh, I got to tell you, I, I pride myself on being pretty good at, I mean, very good at, you know, at, at tuning and, and figuring out, you know, like 
what what the bear shafts are telling me and diagnosing a a, a false weak or false stiff or, or or anything like that and I, I take a lot of pride in that but I, I got humbled honestly because I've been shooting to the left I've been it's been really frustrating with my ASL I've been shooting several inches to the left at only at about like 13 yards I'm like what is going on and you know I I, I did some retuning I, I put on the strings by the way um, uh, that, that I got from uh, 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 what do you call it? God, oh, St. Uh, Lawrence Traditional. Sorry, Mindy. And they're fantastic. They're great. Um, I just wanted to, you know, get them in, get them shot, uh, you know, new for the season kind of thing. And I played around with some knock heights and things like that. And then my my bear sh- my, my shafts, they were showing, I, I found out they were stiff and they were not as, as flying as, as true as I thought they were. There were 500s with a ton of weight up front. I dropped down to 600s uh, at about not 29-ish something inch, I think it is. Um, maybe just a touch under with 50-grain uh, brass and 200-grain tip. And, yeah, now I'm actually hitting dead center again. Uh, it, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't form. Well, not that it's perfect, but it's just, you know, just when you think you got it figured out, just reevaluate, guys. Don't, you know, put put your pride aside and be like, you know, maybe I'm not I'm not getting the feedback and, and, and figuring out what this bow and the arrow is actually what I think it's doing. Just reevaluate, try something new. You might surprise yourself. You might humble yourself, but you're going to get a better shooting bow and it's going to make you feel better. So um, I'm, I'm over that hump. I was in a pretty bad slump there because uh, I still shoot in the house and, uh, you know, every, every now and then go to the range here. And uh, it was in a, kind of a shooting slump, and I've, I'm, I'm working my way out of that. And just those little victories with, like, figuring something out with your setup, you're like, okay, uh, that just completely changes your mindset. So uh, don't be afraid to do that. Anyway, so hopefully I'm going to try and get out maybe tomorrow to go. Well, tomorrow by the time you get you guys hear this, I, I will have either gone or not gone. But uh, I'm going to try to go squirrel hunting uh, just to tromp around. And uh, it, just to be out in the woods with a bow in my hand is gonna be is gonna be fun. Like I said, we've had a ton of snow. I have no idea how deep the snow is uh, in the actual you know fields and swamps and stuff that I gotta walk across, walk through uh, to get <laughs> to get to these places. But we'll see. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, maybe uh, may, maybe maybe I'll collapse from exhaustion. You know, 100 yards in because it's so deep. Because we've had a lot of snow. But it's gonna be good to kind of get out and. Um, just just walk around so that's it so guys keep shooting your bows um you know again um, i'm working my way through i've been i've been super busy with work but i'm gonna get back this week uh working my way through the uh, the tom Clum, tom clum course obviously because uh the, the boating soul podcast is partially brought to you by the pack right the push archery center of knowledge make sure you guys go check those courses out if you haven't uh, I have not checked out the uh, the, the tuning, uh, the, the precision, I think was it called precision tuning for the bow hunter, I think is what it's called, uh, with uh, with Cody Greenwood and uh, and Matt you know, d- doing that one. I have not, I'm, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to, to sign up for that one, do that, do that one too. But um, right now I'm still, I'm still kind of doing the Tom Clum thing and trying to be as perfect as I can you know, as far as a shooter and then kind of work on the rest. This is the time to do it. If you're going to change anything up, it's January. As I record this, obviously mid January, now is the time to change stuff. Now is the time to retune your, your equipment, your body, all that stuff and uh, get, you know, ready for either if you're in the 3d and and all that stuff and tournaments go for it. Uh, But I'm really looking forward to archery for to, uh, to Turkey season. So uh, that's just a few months away. So that's what I've been doing. Anyway, I babbled long enough. Uh, here is my interview with Robert Carter. Uh, very 
go. I think you just uh, should see a recording for you over there too. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, of course this thing doesn't, that's what it is. See with Zoom, you got to set a timer with this thing because it, uh, let's do, I'm going to do that real quick here because it doesn't, um, or stopwatch, what it doesn't do, <laughs> it doesn't have like a running clock or whatever. So you got to kind of mind your time and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, out of time. So, um, anyway, uh, Welcome everybody to the Boning Soul podcast. So I've got I've got an awesome treat today. So on the phone with me is um, a guy that uh, man, you, I mean you're, you're kind of legendary, uh, Mr. Robert Carter. And uh, I was actually happy to I, I think I messaged you maybe about a couple months back or something like that, and I said, hey, you know, everyone calls you RC. I don't know you well enough to call you call you RC, and you said, go ahead and call me RC. So that I took that as an honor. So so thanks for being on. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, if in the traditional world, I mean, if, if someone hasn't like heard of you at this point, it's, it's kind of, uh, they're either like living under, you know, in a cave or under a rock or something like that, because, um, you know, especially lately, I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for, for a long time. You're kind of, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word legendary as far as like kind of Southern hunting goes with traditional equipment. And, um, lately you've been kind of doing this big push on um on your youtube channel and just it's i mean it's growing every day it's going like fast and fast and fast and i think everyone um those of us that aren't as successful (laughs) as some of you guys kind of live vicariously through through you guys i mean you uh you're man you're doing it you're you're super successful you've got all this skill you got all this you know woodsmanship and um i think you know the south you know between you and uh chris spikes and now, you know, Jason, Sam Koviak, I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be deer, deer hog left in the next couple of years. Yeah, we got, we got plenty. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess maybe we can make him like back up just a little bit, I guess. So if, if someone for some reason ha- hasn't heard of you, you want to kind of give like a quick, uh, uh, again, I keep saying no one knows what reader's digest is anymore, but kind of like the reader's digest version of, uh, kind of who you are and, and just, just where you hunt, where you, where you out of. I, my name is Robert Carter. I'm a. Uh, I've been. I, I think this is this past year was my 42nd bow season. I'm from South Georgia. I hunt uh, 99% public land swamps, and uh, I like the nasty stuff where nobody else goes. And uh, been, uh, you know, not like everybody else. I started out hunting with a gun and that sort. Of Sort of thing, but I, I've, I've uh, fell in love with the longbow, and that's about all I want to do anymore. And it's it's a lot of fun. So, um, did did you grow up in this? I mean, were you? Uh, did you kind of grow up, you know, quickly into hunting? You know, kind of country boy kind of thing, or that you know, how did oh, yeah. you get into it? I live I live about in the country. I I grew up out in the country. I actually live about a mile from where I was raised, and. uh there were no no deer around here at that time to speak of, and uh, but my whole family, my mother had thirteen brothers and sisters, and uh, six of them were men, and all of them hunted hunted squirrels, and you know back then uh, dove dove shoots and quail hunting was a big thing, and uh, but I liked to hunt squirrels because I liked to walk, and and I'd walk around with the, when I was uh, 
when I was 10, 10, 11 years old, I could, uh, I had a 410 shotgun. I could walk all day by myself and it was all right. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's just how I was raised. You know, I, back then that we didn't, I, we, we was a very rich family, but we didn't have any money. And that just, that may not make sense, but, but I never went lacking a meal and I got to do things that kids never get to do. I had like a, like a sack, sort of like a pocketbook with a mason jar full of water and a sandwich. And I'd leave the house in the morning with the shotgun and come back at dark. And that was about 12 years, 11, 12 years old, probably. God, that's awesome. I mean, t- today you see a kid walking down, you know, anywhere with a shotgun, you know, you're going to get child services called on you. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad that it's kind of devolved into that. Yeah. But no, we, we were, we grew up on gun safety and if, I mean, you, I mean, there was a, you know, you were drilled into it and you, you didn't, you come in the house, we all had single barrel shotguns is what we started with. You come in the house, that joker was opened up, there was no shells in it and it was broke open and you, you took it in the house and, uh, mine stayed under the bed, <laughs> put it under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> when did, uh, so, so when did the bow come along? Well, I, I always was fascinated with bows, building them and shooting them. And I read a book, uh, Robin Hood, when I, I think I was in the fourth grade. And uh, I started building bows around the house and shooting them. And uh, I had an uncle that actually knew how to, he didn't hunt, bow hunt, but he knew how to shoot a bow. And he showed me, you know, pretty much correct form. And uh, and he had learned in high school, they had an archery class <laughs> and for PE. And that's how he had learned to shoot. So anyway, that's and it just went from there. No kidding. So probably pretty uh, pretty early then when when you probably harvested your first whatever, right? I mean, did it start off a small game? Did you uh, you know go right to deer? Or well, you said there wasn't a ton of deer then. Was there a hog problem still that you know back then when it was you know when you were younger? No, I didn't. I hunted local, walking from home here, and we didn't. They weren't. They were some hogs, like a couple miles from the house, but. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't hunt them anything. I, the the first thing I killed with a bow was a raccoon and uh, rabbits and squirrels and stuff like that. Yeah. Then later on, I killed deer. Uh, first deer I killed with a bow was a six point. No kidding. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, basically, I mean, we're, we're not. I don't want. I don't want to go through like every. I mean, you you've got like a a ton. I mean, of, of, of experience here. So um, right before we started recording, I said, I kind of wanted to tap into some of your, um, some of your woodsmanship, you know, um, everything from, you know, like how you navigate through some of the areas that you hunt in. I mean, you hunt in swamps, um, you know, it's not, it seems like, you know, you, you go in pretty deep in some of these places. Um, but I also want to talk about, uh, you know, th- th- this may not apply so much to everybody. Like I'm in Minnesota, right? But um, you guys hunt like mass trees, you know, mass crops, lots of, you know, uh, you know, like falling fruits and and nuts and kind of stuff, you know, for a long, long time. Right. Um, I want to kind of get into some of your tips and tricks about hunting uh, mass trees, uh, whether, you know, you're hunting them all the way through December or, you know, where it's like us, like we're we're done basically, you know, mid September and everything's dropped, kind of thing, right? So, um, there, there's there's just a ton of stuff I kind of, I kind of want to explore. So, um, it, it, as far as your um, 
just general woodsmanship? I mean, did it just kind of come from just, just being out all the time and learning stuff, you know, on your own the hard way, or did, did you have any, uh, any other mentors in the woods to kind of show you, uh, well, hell everything. Well, I was, I hunted with some of the best modern day woodsmen there's ever been. I mean, that I, I mean, I believe, I mean, they're, they're, they're all passed away right now. They're, they're gone, but I had a good friend, John Buckhart. He was, I think he's like 16 years older than I am, but, uh, I spent tons of time with him and he, he was, he hunted with the longbow and, uh, a man it is, it's, I mean, I, I learned from him and just common sense stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it's really, once you begin to put it together, it's, it's, it's actually pretty easy. And we, where I hunt, there's a lot of pressure. It's not like walking around out and just, I mean, you won't see a whole lot of deer just standing outside the road because they run. And, uh, so that cuts your, uh, hunting area in half. Cause I, by saying that, I mean, I, I go to thick stuff and, uh, like a rifle hunter, he wants to climb where he can see a hundred yards. I don't care if I can't see 20. If it's the right 20, I'm good. Sure. So, and, uh, but you're, you're, I, I did. I'm sorry. Ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I learned from a, a guy that was unbelievable and he was a pretty good shot with a bow, with a longbow. And by today's standard, everything he shot, if, if he had put his equipment on the internet, everybody would tell him he couldn't kill nothing. <laughs> and uh, he probably killed 500 deer and hogs. Jeez. I mean, I, one year when he was uh, 68, 68 years old, we hunt public land. He killed 23 hogs on foot with a longbow. Oh, my goodness. And a 45-pound longbow shooting 20-20 aluminum shafts with Simmons broadheads. Just just knew how to get close. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he Knew what, knew what he was doing when you're so when you're hunting you said you hunt mostly uh public land now right um obviously in your videos like we don't see a lot of this other pressure right i mean we just see you um you know wh where you hunt now you don't necessarily have to say where you hunt obviously but where you hunt like i mean are you um are you seeing a lot of pressure at the times that you go you know um i, I don't know if you hunt midweek weekends whatever i'm not i'm not really sure how that you know kind of ties into your uh, you know other uh, the rest of your life kind of thing. Right. But, um, is it, is it heavy pressure? Is it heavy pressure? Like close to the, to the parking lots? Is it, uh, you know, how, how is it, how is it down there in general? Georgia is, we have, we have tons of public land, millions of acres. <laughs> I know, I know, uh, I also hunt Fort Stewart a little bit. It's 250,000 acres alone. Oof. And, uh, I have, uh, geez, I don't know maybe five or six management areas within 30 minutes of me and the smallest one is 6,000 acres. And, and I, I, I normally, I hunt during the week. I, I work weekends actually. So I hunt during the week. Yeah, so and, uh, that, cut, you know, that cuts pressure down a lot, but I, I don't go, if they're having a gun hunt on this particular W on a WMA, I won't go to it. I'll hunt somewhere else. And there, there's so many around to choose from that, you know, there's always something open that's archery only. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I'm kind of in the same boat here, right? I work weekends. Um, so when I get to hunt, it is, you know, midweek, during the week sometimes, you know. Um, I don't get out as much as you do. Um, but that's that's kind of thing that helps alleviate a lot of the pressure. And I, and I, too, actually have 
within, I'm going to say 20 minutes drive, like probably six or seven, like distinct, you know, separate like parking lots or entrance areas or whatever to, to WMAs and uh, wildlife refuges and stuff like that. So um, I've, I've found in the past this year, um, you know, there was, there was a spike last two years, obviously with this COVID thing. So I'm, I'm happy to say that that spike has gone back down. Um, this year, I didn't see nearly the, the, the amount of pressure that I did in the previous two years. Is that kind of echoed down there too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, to be honest with you, this entire deer season, I may have seen two people in the woods. Oh. Nice. And, uh, nice. but, but I hunt probably the average distance for every animal I kill, you know, during deer, deer season is a mile from the truck. And uh, this year I killed, uh, I hunted some, uh, I found a pretty hot group of water oaks and I killed three deer about 300 yards from the truck. And then another one on the ground about 200 yards from the truck. But other than that, they usually a long ways. I went, I went pig hunting yesterday evening and I walked six miles. Wow. And, uh, when you go on some big loops right here, I probably have a hundred miles in every hog I kill and I'm not exaggerating. Are you uh, are you on foot most of the time? Or are you getting some of these areas like by, by boat or anything like that? You know, it's kind of popular to do now. I hunt some by boat. I mean, I've done that for forever. That's the way my my friend John he hunted out of the boat a lot. He hunted and fished. He lived really close to the river, to one of the rivers we hunt, and uh, you know he hunted out of a savior. Like you can a couple of the management areas I hunt. If you come in from the truck. It might take you two days to check four or five spots because it's so far to walk, but you can check them in a half a day out of the boat looking for pigs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that, several, that's, gotten, that's gotten pretty popular over here too, you know, and uh, and I don't have a boat. Um, so it, it's it's one of the things I have to deal with too, same deal. You know, I, I can hike in like, you know, a mile and a half, two miles one way, and then, uh, you know, another guy can kind of come around on the – on, on the river or something like that and just literally just like walk up a hill <laughs> and, and, and be like right there. So it's, uh, I've had to, I've had to kind of deal with that too, you know, like not only, um, it, it seems like it, it's kind of climbing in, um, in popularity, you know, so I got, I got to deal with more of that. Yeah. Yeah. For me though, the best way to get away from pressure is not really, really thick stuff. And, uh, and, and there's some more game, especially as you get later on in the season. Just because they've been pushed deeper because from the pressure, yeah, yeah, and thicker, yeah, thicker from the pressure, absolutely. We have a really long season. Our bow season starts about September the tenth, whatever Saturday falls along in there. But August fifteenth is when small game comes in, and you can hunt pigs in with small game weapons. And then it goes from there all the way to February twenty eighth. There's something going on in the woods. Wow. And so, I mean, our deer. They don't stand there and look at you. <laughs> they they pretty spooky. So, um, in in all in all these years, I mean, we can kind of there's probably like I mean, I'm sure you can write a book on this, right? But um, I, I'm I'm going to kind of ask you to kind of pick and highlight some 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 key things that they're that are kind of like key to your success, right? Um, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, let's let you know, let's go in deep, let's go into the, to the thick stuff, right? But um, you have to negotiate um a lot of i'm guessing just from your videos a lot a lot of muck a lot of swampy stuff a lot of 
um, deadfall, a lot of, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever else kind of grows and falls and dies and, and makes noise in the swamp. Right. Um, how, how do you negotiate that? Because that's one of my biggest problems is trying to be quiet and cover and cover ground. Um, you know, I almost wish I'd have like a hoverboard of some sort, you know, to cover more ground. I mean, what, what's, um, I don't know what, what's kind of one tip that you can kind of give that, that might kind of make that easier. I really, I don't hunt deer stalking. I hunt pigs on foot because it's pretty tough to sneak up on a deer. And, uh, I only hunt high percentage. I, I meaning time is too short to waste any of it doing something nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. So, so if I'm going to hunt a deer, I hunt either out of a ground blind or a tree stand, and I'll slip in there as quiet as possible. But, but I, I try not to climb on top of a bedding area. But if I'm pig hunting, they they make more racket than I do, and so I'll, I'll just you know I try to be quiet. But you're not going to you know if you're in knee deep leaves, you're not going to be quiet. Sure. So I just I cover a real little bit of ground and stop and listen. A little bit of ground, stop and listen. I hunted with Jason the other day for the first time. He's a really good guy. I met him. We we walked, and uh, you know we stopped here and there, but we stopped and sat on a log and probably talked twenty minutes. And some hogs were over there, like fifty yards, and they finally got. I think they were, may have been bedded. Who knows? But they made some noise, and he said, "Man, there's some pigs." <laughs> and they ended up smelling us, and we didn't get to shoot one. But but I mean, you know, you just spend some time, listen, spend more time listening than you do walking. Yeah, and uh, and I, I cover ground, and I think probably one of my biggest keys to early season success is right now, this time of year, going on long, long pig hunting walks, and uh, I hunt persimmons early in the year. Anybody's ever talked to me, I tell them I hunt down here. Persimmons will fill the freezer quick for you early, early bow season. And I hunt uh, persimmons in the swamp. I, the leaves are all gone, and a swamp persimmon is jet black tree, really, really black. And you can spot them a long ways off, and you just find as many of them as you can, and then uh, come back and check them in August with binoculars, see which one has fruit. You know, you're going to say if you find 100, you're going to cut that down to probably 40 when you come back in August and find the ones with fruit. And then when it's a week before deer season, you go in there and find the hot ones. And I never climb the same, same one twice. Usually I'll, I'll hunt it the evening, leave my stand, come back the next morning and pull out and go to the next one. And I, I mean, I've had years, the last few years, my wife has had some health issues and, and she's good now, but the last few years is I've hunted like 30% of what I normally do. And, uh, but I have had years where I've killed like eight deer in two weeks on public land hunting for cemetery. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think you were saying uh, the other day, at least on your last video, you said like, what, you got like seven deer and like four or five hogs or something like that so far this year or? This year I killed this past year I killed seven deer and four hogs. And I only like three times in November. My wife had uh she had a, a surgery and had to hang around the house for a little bit and which is all good. That's my job as a husband. Yeah. <laughs> and, but maybe I'll I'll get after him harder next year. Who knows? I, I do have eight weeks vacation this year, so I really plan on wreaking some havoc in the woods. 
Yeah, that's that, that's that's that sounds like heaven. Actually, <laughs> that sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. So when you're um, okay, so let let let's let's jump on these like mass trees, right? Um, so by the way, am, am I even using that term correctly? Does mast include like like fruits, or is it just like uh, you know when we say mass trees, anything that kind of like drops that you know uh, deer and, and squirrels and everything eat, right? But uh, something like a persimmon or apples or things like that. I mean, would you consider that mast? Is that considered mast tree as well? I, we call it either soft mass or hard mass. Your soft mass being persimmons and crab apples. We don't okay. have apples here. We have crab apples. And then your, uh, and also uh, wild grapes, muscadines. And we have, uh, then your hard mass, you know, you'll be your, be your acorns. So when you're, when, when you're evaluating these, I mean, you do a ton of scouting, obviously, like you just said, and you know, you're, uh, you got these trees picked up, but then there's, you know, there's a difference between a tree that's actually loaded up and dropping versus like the, the deer, uh, a, a deer or hawks, right? I, I, we, can, we can talk about either one unless you really want to split them up. But, um, you, you know, there's a difference between ones that are actually dropping versus the ones that the trees that are actually getting hit, right? Um, right. I, I, any characteristics that you find in common with the ones that tend to get hit more, um, you know, through, through your you know, through, through, through years of doing this, right. you're like, okay, you, you, you probably have this mental Rolodex of like, okay, I know where like 200 different trees are and I seem to, uh, kill deer, whatever, under like maybe 20% of them. Like what, what makes that 20% special? Well, I mean, our trees, like every, every oak tree in the swamp, the different species, I guess you'd call it, don't drop at the same time. Like the, the way my season rolls, Early season, there's no acorns dropping, only persimmons. And except for a, a very few rare water oaks, occasionally will drop. And uh, I was lucky and found one of them this year, and I killed two deer on it quick. Hmm. But what you do, you find in the first fruit that's been available since the year before. So these yuckers are coming like, you know, free lobsters in town. <laughs> so... So, I mean, and you, you, and the only way to find that is you walk and check trees. You just like, I might, I won't climb a tree unless I know I'm going to kill a deer. And, you know, it don't happen every time like that, but that's the confidence I have to have. And I walk and, and check uh, whatever species of tree, I guess that's the right word, species, whatever, you know, white oaks, red oaks, whatever, whatever happens to be dropping at the time, I'll, I'll walk the swamp and check. I might check 500 trees in a day. And and I'll walk up on that one. That'll be it'll be look like you had plows under it and deer droppings everywhere. Well, it's a no brainer. You climb that joker that afternoon. Can you tell the difference between um, uh, not not so much with the with the uh, with the soft mast, but um, let's say like like later season for you guys for for hard mast for acorns and stuff like that. Um, there's let's say there's a lot of traffic, right? Um, and let's say deer kind of go through there and, but also there's like squirrels, there's other things that, that eat up these acorns and stuff. How are you, how are you determining like, okay, this is like a deer came in and kind of like vacuumed all this up versus, uh, the deer came through here, but it was already all vacuumed up because of the squirrels came through. Um, that's, that's kind of been one of my biggest, biggest, uh, I guess things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like get better at is trying to evaluate the snapshot of what i see under a tree how fresh those uh you know cracked acorns are stuff like that who came through and when and whether it's worth sitting it or not you know um wh wh how do you approach that 
I won't climb a feed tree that don't have deer droppings under it. Not a not hard mass uh, oak tree. Uh, I'll circle it, and if there's no fresh deer droppings there, I won't sit there because a, a deer going to a persimmon tree early season. I mean, the ground's not covered in them. They'll be you might sit there all afternoon and hear five or six drop, but hmm. a deer come through there and pick them up and be gone quick. But they'll go feed under a, a, a water oak or a you know an acorn tree oak tree that's dropping acorns. They may be under it for an hour or 30 minutes, and there's going to be some droppings there if our deer are spending any time there. And uh, and I, I, will, I just won't climb a tree that don't have deer droppings. I keep walking until I find one. Yeah, good point. I suppose it takes them a lot longer to eat all those acorns than it does one or two uh, persimmons to kind of keep keep going, huh? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. See, we don't, we don't have any of the bigger, like, soft mass stuff here is a problem. And, um, you know, our are like white oaks for example will i mean th this year some of them were like dropping we had like a heavy windstorm come through um some of them were dropping in the middle of august okay um by you know and our season opens up in mid-september by mid-september uh it's very rare to see a white oak that's still dropping and if it has i mean it's all been like vacuumed up right either deer or squirrels they're gone and it's kind of harder to find um at least it has been for me anyway to find the red oaks uh, later in the season. So I, you know, I have very little luck trying to locate deer with, you know, just based off of, um, uh, off of trees, off of feed trees. Right. So, you know, I, I try to, I try to get close to bedding areas. I try to be a little more, you know, aggressive. It hasn't panned out for me, obviously, but, um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to do what, what, what plays into like my favor the best. Cause if I were to try and sit under, you know, it, find oaks to sit under i i just keep walking I'd, I'd never i'd never sit anywhere um yeah. but, you, but you said you guys i mean they're they're dropping i mean what well into december right i mean they're, they're the various types of oaks you got right some some of the water oaks so i mean some water oaks will drop early september and some will drop late in december and uh the thing that the thing to remember is if you do find that late dropping tree a particular single tree if it's dropping, say, the first week of December, well, next year it's probably going to drop about that same time. And, uh, I mean, you can, you know, the trees will usually drop, you know, you may have one water oak that's 100 yards from it that dropped the last week of September. And it'll probably drop the last week of September next year. Are, are they on an every year cycle? Because here it's like, you know, like every 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 couple of few years, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll have a... a They'll, they'll bear fruit basically what are water oaks that usually drop every year what uh -huh. hurts us is having a late frost something like that or or maybe a drought and the trees will shed that acorns premature mm -hmm. but uh but you i mean we have like we had the swamps i hunt we have uh water oaks red oaks swamp chestnuts which is a, a huge acorn they love and a white oak and a white oak is what I kill the least amount of deer on. And, you know, our red oaks, they, they wear the red oaks out. They the, A tree will drop, the red oak tree will drop out in like two weeks and be gone. And uh, But the swamp chestnut drops huge acorns about the size of a golf ball almost. And uh, they'll drop for a pretty pretty good while, maybe three three weeks. You can get some good hunting off of a, off some white uh, swamp chestnuts. Wow, man, that's that's uh, 
<laughs> that, that, that that's totally different than than what's here. That's that's why I, that's why I like kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you about this because I mean, like I said, I, I watch you guys down there, um, and, and some of the other guys, like I said, like Chris Spikes and you know, uh, you know a few other people that, that kind of hunt, you know, down south. Um, I don't know if you follow uh, uh, you know, Catman. You know, uh, he's not a traditional guy, but I mean, he he's a southern hunter too. Um, and just some of the the species of uh, of trees and things like that that you know how you guys' strategy changes it's like completely not foreign but it's it's almost foreign to to kind of what we do up here so I was, I was trying I've been trying to wrap my head around um, how you guys approach that now obviously um, I'm I'm guessing your guys's trees uh, you know don't shed all their leaves and stuff until much much later right so are you are you trying to stick to a, a tree stand? as long as you can or um or, or do you just kind of prefer to be on the ground or just kind of whatever strikes your fancy like how, how do you how are you coming at that I, I i like the i'm most successful from a tree i like to hunt from a ground i, I i've killed uh i used to kill about one deer a year off the ground but uh a tree stand actually and and as far as cover goes i, I climb where it's you know, it's pretty thick, and usually you can climb, climb, and be broke up. And it's, it's. Uh, I, I don't climb high. I might climb fifteen feet. I don't think uh, I'd never ever climb twenty feet. I probably have sometimes, but very rare. And uh, usually between twelve and fifteen. Yeah, I um, I, I'm j just this past year, I've started to get more comfortable in a tree stand because I've actually got one that actually doesn't, uh, you know, kind of move around on me. I've never been uh, totally, uh, uh, feel, you know, sense of security in one or whatever, but it's funny, like you'll, you'll get to like, um, I don't know, an, an average kind of height, right. You you get to cover or whatever, but when you start climbing higher, like you immediately, it's almost like this, this invisible, uh, like, uh, layer level or whatever you climb through and all of a sudden like the pucker factor goes up and your brain knows oh okay i'm just a little bit higher than i normally am and all of a sudden you're like oh my god i'm really high so um you know so, so with us i mean we uh you know we lose cover again relatively early you know uh mid-october a lot of it's you know late october probably a lot of it's gone um and uh you either got to go higher or it's going to, you know, it kind of forces you to sit in a tree that's got, uh, you know, like, like a cluster of trees where you got some backdrop where the, where the, like multiple trunks or something like that, you know? So, um, that's, I don't know, that, that that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way I, you know, I, I try to do it, but, um, I, I've been trying to do more off the ground and, uh, you know, I've been watching some of your stuff with, uh, with, with hunting off the ground. And, um, what I, what I'd like to do is actually kind of, kind of, we, we can kind of go into that. Cause I mean, obviously every, you know, we, everyone's talked about how to hunt from a tree stand, you know, there's, there's really not much, uh, not, not much to it, right. Climb to cover, you know, back cover, that kind of thing. But, um, you did a couple of videos, I believe on hunting off the ground, which I'm going to watch again. I'm going to watch them a, a few times because you got some different strategies, uh, different setups. And, um, I mean, do, do you mind if we kind of dive into that a little bit? Like what, how, how you approach that? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, um, for years we've, uh, we've, we, we've read that, um, you know, back cover is more important than front cover. Right. Um, and obviously that, that, that's been proven to be the case over and over and over again. I, I, I guess I just trying to wrap my head around why that is, you know, like why, why are you more concealed when you're sitting in front of a tree 
you know, with or with their deadfall or whatever. And uh, rather than like kind of hunting behind it. So um, actually, what's going to happen here? Like I said, I think we're going to run out of time in about five minutes here. So um, if I have to stop you here and I can send you another link for this, but um, we, we can start on it. Like when you when you when you decide you're going to go and you say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to approach this from the ground. Um, you've probably pre-scouted this area. Uh, when you scout, do you kind of pre-prep the area first for like a, like a natural hide? Do you move, uh, do you move cover in or something like that? So that when you can come to it, back to it, I don't know, in a week in a two in a month next year, whatever that stuff's kind of more ready for you, or do you just kind of do it on the spot? I usually, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to a, I, I don't, uh, if I go to a place and there's a, something that looks pretty good for the ground, that's when I ground at it. If it's if it's like bare all the way around, I probably won't. But uh, one thing I do, I may hinge cut a tree or something like that to, uh, you know, to give me some cover. Mm-hmm. And a trash tree. Now we I don't cut hardwoods or nothing, but some you know some kind of scrub tree or something. I may hinge cut it. Or uh, we have a, a lot of palmettos down here, and uh, man, you can set up in a pal in some in a group of palmettos and just trim you a little shooting lane. And also, if you're hunting feed trees, like if you're hunting, uh, say if you're hunting a trail, the deer's walking through, you've got just maybe a minute or maybe seconds for a shot opportunity, and then it's done. And it forces you to move maybe faster than you than you should. And you and half of that time, you can't do nothing because the deer's walking towards you, and you're waiting for a broadside or going away so it's not seeing you. Mm-hmm. But if you have a feed tree, they come in there feeding, well, you just set tight until you get a shot. Now, it might be 10 minutes. And uh, so it's, it's easier with the feed tree. And, you know, the hard part of about killing deer on the ground down here is finding the right setup to begin with. You know, where the deer's, deer's coming and there's already cover available. You know, and but I, I, if I find a, you know, if you find a hot water road, it's, it's not like it's not going to be good tomorrow. I will go ahead. Like I killed a, a six point this year off the ground. The week before, when I checked those trees, I saw that you know it's going to be a pretty good spot. So I went ahead and uh, there has were limbs falling, you know, all over the place. I drug me a couple of limbs up there. Nothing elaborate, just you know, I, I put my back against a big pine tree, and then I drug me a couple of limbs in front of me with the bushy part of each limb facing out creating a V in the middle for me to shoot through. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, shot a six point at nine yards. Are they, um, are they a little more twitchy when they're, when they're around a the feed tree, you know, like, uh, you know, in places that bait, for example, right. Everyone says they're all like twitchy around bait. Cause they're, you know, I'm sure they've been shot at. Um, do they do the same thing around feed trees too? Are they like n- naturally nervous? No, I, I mean deer. I, I hunt. I hunt wild deer. <laughs> deer in the swamp and all that. Yeah. If you got guys feeding corn and all, and I've killed deer over corn on private land, and they are wired when they come into that, and it's just not what I enjoy doing. And it's nothing wrong with it. It's legal. I'm not down on how anybody hunts ever, but I prefer to kill a deer in the swamp on natural feed, sort of beat him at his own game, so to speak, with a. 
I, I mean, I, I, they come in the natural feed really, really, you know, just, just graze right on up in there. Yeah. But they're I, they're just, know. they're more relaxed. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, a, a baited deer would be like really kind of on, on edge, right. They're more, um, it, it's not the same basically. No, it's not the same. Even yeah. on the mansion areas that I hunt, on the the property lines will be hunting clubs, you know, mm-hmm. and they all hate. I I don't, you know, some people say, "Man, I'm gonna hunt those trails coming out of the management area, going in there to the club." I, I never do that. I want to yeah. hunt deer because I mean, I I get as far away from the landlines as possible to hunt deer. Yeah, you know, that behaving natural. Corn corn changes natural deer behavior. No, I, I absolutely. ARC, so this thing's going to uh, stop in a minute here. So I'm going to stop the recording and I'm going to send you another link. Okay. 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 Hold on. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Recording in progress. Fantastic. See, we're, we're kind of low budget here, RC, at, uh, at Bow Hunting Soul. So we, we don't pay for the fancy uh, <laughs> Zoom. So we got to do the freebies. I can dig it. <laughs> All right. so we, we, were, we were talking about um uh deer and uh under feed trees and stuff like that and we're kind of working our way into, into, into ground hunting um so you said you, when you go into it right you said um whatever whatever dictates now is that is that just kind of on the spot like are you walking in like regardless with uh your uh, uh your stand and everything on your back um and then deciding, hey, I'm going to climb, not climb. Or are these places kind of like you said, pre-scouted, where you know you're going in just on foot with whatever ground equipment you got, or um, you're going to take a stand? See how to say this. I, I I usually dedicate a day for scouting, and I locate as many places as I can find. Yeah. And, uh, and I hunt high percentage, whichever. Like if I find ten places that I think. I can kill a deer on it. I'll, I'll tell you how it works. Usually on a Friday is my last day off before going to work. And so I'll walk Friday and scout and I'll find ever how many places to hunt the next week when I get off work during the okay. week. And uh, say I find 10 places that I think I can kill a deer on. And I will, uh, you know, and, and uh, when I say I hunt high percentage to, my opinion, hunting out of the tree stand for me is more high percentage than hunting off the ground. And uh, I simply, it just, you can get away with movement. And it's just, and, and that's what I said in my video. I probably could do more off the ground. I just don't do it as much. But uh, I, have, I have those places picked out to hunt and whatever. You know, the wind may be wrong for the upcoming days for half of them, so that narrows it down. And then the the ground hunting place that I had picked out to hunt off the ground, it may be the most high percentage at that time. Okay. And then I'll go in, I'll carry my little chair. I actually mostly hunt. If I, if I don't have to go very far, I carry a, a little a metal chair I bought from Walmart and spray painted. And uh, it's pretty comfortable. And then um, I mean, I'll go that. But when I'm scouting and I find the place that I, I'm probably going to hunt off the ground, I'll, it'll it'll be because there's more than likely a decent ground set up already there for a couple of wins, and I, I may I may add to it a little bit, but I do it then. So when I come in to hunt the next week, I don't have to touch anything with my hands, spread any scent around. I just slip in there and get set up. 
so kind of going back to what, what I, what I mentioned earlier, right. Um, you know, everyone says back cover is more important than front cover. Like wh why do you think that is? Like I'm, is, I, I don't, I don't know the, the science behind it. You know what I mean? Um, every successful hunter, well, ground hunter will tell you, you know, sit, sit in front of something big rather than hide behind something big. Why, why is that? I, I don't, I don't really understand that. I, I think that it, you pick up, I think deer pick up movement and an outline better if there's nothing behind you. And, okay. uh, I mean, even if like hunting in a tree stand down here, if you don't climb real, if you're only like 12, 15 high, feet high, you better have some cover behind you or you'll get busted. And, uh, but the front cover adds to my confidence of nothing else. That's why I try to have some of it. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. No, that, 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 that makes total sense. Are you, yeah. um, are you in some sort of like ghillie suit or anything like that when you're doing that or? I wear a kill suit. It's called a kill suit. It's similar. It's like a ghillie suit. Yeah. And I, I have had, um, uh, since I've been using that suit, I have had a, a mature buck eight yards look through me wow. and to wag his tail. And I, I didn't have a shot opportunity, but he, I didn't run him off. Is what I'm saying. He had no clue I was in the world. And, uh, but I have killed deer off the ground with just regular old, you know, uh, camo shirt, cotton camo shirt, have my face, my face painted up, but I would be hid. Now I would have back cover. I'd be sitting in sort of a pocket, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, are you, uh, do you, do you change what bow you take with you? Like length of bow or anything like that? Cause you, cause you kind of alternate between, uh, I mean, you got a several like kind of favorite long bows, long bows that you shoot, you know, and I, I don't even think there's much difference in length between them, but do you, do you, does your equipment change or based on that? No, I never change my, I change, I shoot a bow because it's one I want to shoot. It's got nothing to do with the setup. I mean, as far as bow length or anything, I, I know what you're getting at is, do I take a shorter bow? No, no, I don't. I, I shoot, but uh, I actually killed the deer this year off the ground with a 66 inch, uh, hill style longbow. You just, you just kind of make, uh, you just make it work. You just make room, right? I mean. Those are forgiving bows. If some people hate them and some people love them, but if you commit to them and, and learn to shoot them, they, they are made for hunting. And uh, I mean, I, I love them. Yeah. So I started shooting this, uh, St. Patrick Lake one here. It's a 66 inch again, you know, ASL. Um, and, uh, it, it amazed me how, I didn't think I was going to, well, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, <laughs> you know, but, but I committed to it. Um, it, it amazed me how just well it points, how well it shoots. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a different style, different wrist style, all that stuff. Right. But, um, I didn't find it nearly as hard to adapt to, um, as, as I thought it was right. I mean, to me, it's just like another bow shirt. I, I hold it differently. I grip it differently than I do my recurves or, or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was almost kind of natural. So I, I don't necessarily know that it's, that it's easier for me to shoot than, than, you know, any other bows I got hanging up here, but it, it's certainly fun. It's certainly fun to take in the woods. And, and, you know, I, I really was amazed to the, um, the places I could get into, uh, cover wise, whether, you know, I'm, I'm up in cover in a tree or just on, you know, kind of maneuvering on the ground or whatever, that the, the limb, the limb clearance thing wasn't as much of an issue as I thought it was going to be. I think that's, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's more in your head, you know, that's exactly right. You know, what drawing me to shooting the hill style bows 
is I told you I read the book Robin Hood when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that looks like the bow that Robin Hood would carry around. I mean, I know it's not an English longbow. Sure. But it, that, that long, simple longbow, that looks just like what he would be toting. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's, there's the, yeah, absolutely. There's like the romantic side to that. You know, there, there's a guy, um, he shoots a compound now, right? But I mean, there, there's a guy that, uh, uh, you know, I follow. He's been on the podcast a few times before. And, um, you know, and, you know, he's, he's an African-American guy living in, in Queens, New York. Right. Um, his name is Cliff. And he, he, he cited the exact same thing. He said he saw, he saw Robin Hood when he was a kid and he was just fascinated with archery and that's what he wanted to pursue, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that nostalgia thing, uh, it's got, it counts for a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. of years ago, I got this Fred bear craze and I had a, I got a bear 59er. I think that's what you call it. 59er. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I bought, I got one of those, one of the new ones, not the older ones and, and bear razor heads. And, and, uh, I actually had a super Kodiak and now I got a takedown and, uh, I did that for a little while. And then, uh, I always go back to the longbow. I, I, I don't know why, but I always go back to that to the, the hill style longbow. I've even made a couple of them that turned out pretty good, but I, I'm no boyer by any means, but they work, you know? Yeah. And you, you've killed deer with a self bow and, uh, and, and flint mapped, uh, uh, heads and everything like that. Right. Last year or year before I did, uh, not this past season, but the one before. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come, you know, I'm, I'm still not even fully down the, the, the wood arrow rabbit hole. I'm, I've, I've been dabbling, you know, it, I'm not even barely dabbling in it, but uh, it, it'll come. But it's just, uh, it's just, it's just one, one more thing. I don't really have time to dedicate my, <laughs> my limited time that's, to. That's exactly why I, I don't do it now. Is the time, man? There's some time and learning to make an airhead yourself, you know. And people say, "Yeah, I'll send you one." I, I, I don't, I don't want you to send me one. I want to do it myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so learn. Learning to make an airhead that's huntable takes time if, if you've never done it. You know what I mean? And I had never did any napping. And now, I mean, I've done it so much now, I could go out there and, and whip one out pretty quick. But, uh, and like building the river cane areas, there's a lot of work in that. If, uh, you know, and cause I'm a, when it comes to shooting, I want my arrows to go where, where I'm looking. And, and they don't all shoot the same. You, it takes some, you may, have an hour in a river cane era and, and it won't shoot for you. And so I, I mean, it's just, it's more time than I want to put into it. Yeah. That's like full on Ryan Gill level of commitment, you know, cause that's what I would probably end up doing. And I, I just don't have the time to do that, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's amazing the you know, the, the skill that, you know, you, when, when people take it up and they're successful with it, like you did it. Uh, I know, you know, Mark Harrison from omnivores, you know, like he just started, you know, he's, he's built a couple now and he's, he's gone hunting with it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll end up down there, you know, in oh, the yeah. future, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not, not quite there yet. So, um, so, uh, so equipment wise, right. I mean, you don't, you don't do anything kind of like out of the ordinary. I mean, you seem like your guy that just kind of, you, you like what you like, if it shoots for you, um, you're not taking like crazy long shots, right? I mean, your, your setup is, I mean, we, we can talk about it. We don't have to geek out over it or whatever, but I mean, what, what, what are you shooting as far as uh, like, like poundage and uh, you know, what do you prefer? You know, do you, do you kind of chase tip weight at all? Do you, do you obsess about that? 
I, I really uh well the my I shoot a right now I'm shooting a Northern Miss Classic. And uh, it's it's like, you know, we all have favorite bows and they may change in a month, but right now it is the one. And it's uh, it's sixty six inches long, forty seven. I draw about twenty five and a half, twenty six if I really stretch into it. And it's forty seven pounds at twenty six. I shoot a a six hundred grain arrow. I j actually just built a carbon arrow sport. It's a uh, five hundred spine gold tips. They're they're thirty plus inches long, with three hundred twenty five grains in the nose. And and none of that is because it calculated out off of some chart. It's because that's what flies good bear shaft. Sure, and you're uh, you're pretty and you're pretty partial to the Simmons, huh? Well, I like Simmons and uh, Windsor Woodsman. I like the Windsor Woodsman too. So it doesn't matter to you, three blade, two blade. No, no as long as they're sharp, they're good. I, sharp. I think I, I killed uh, with a Simmons, a Woodsman, and a Stos broadhead out of all the animals I killed this year. And uh, I mean, I got three different kind of broadheads in my quiver right now. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, there's a Simmons in there. There's a Woodsman in there. And I have a narrow, cause I'm pig hunting right now. Mm. And I have a, a narrow, um, uh, Zwicky, no mercy in case I run across a big, big boar hog that I want to shoot. I normally don't shoot big boars. They don't toast. They ain't good to eat, but I got a friend that wants one. He wants to skull for a thing in his house there, you know? Mm. So I, 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 I'll probably shoot the next one I get a chance at. Do you change what you shoot um, between uh, deer and hogs, or do you just kind of shoot the same setup for both? I usually shoot the Simmons or the Woodsman, the deer or hogs. Okay, okay, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah and if I'm shooting just your normal size pigs, I'll shoot them at them as well. But a really big hog, like 250 on up, you know, or even 200, 200 pounds is a big swamp hog down there. Yeah. And that's, uh, I'll shoot him. I mean, he'll have an inch thick shield. A 200 pound boar hog wheel. And so I'll shoot him with a narrow, like a Zwicky No Mercy or maybe a Grizzly. Just and for, uh, uh, just, just, just for kind of a little bit deeper penetration there. Do you, do you, so, so is the, I, I've, I've shot, I've shot a bunch of pigs, but I've shot a lot of pigs with like, with firearms and stuff, right? Um, and, uh, in a compound, but, um, n nothing big. Like, I mean, you know, like a genuine, like 120 pound, right? Cause 120 pound pig on the internet, is like a 300 pound pig. Right. But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but in, in reality, like, I, I mean, it sounds like you've shot some big ones. I mean, is the shield, uh, is, is it real? Is it really a factor or is it just kind of overblown? I mean, what, what's your, uh, cause everyone says it's, it's cartilage. It's easy to get through. And other people say, no, no, it's not easy to get through. I've never shot anything that big that, that's, that's been an issue. So I, I don't know oh, if you have. See, I've killed some 250-pound-plus hogs and uh, with, like, 45, 48-pound bucks. And, but I shoot, you know, usually around a 600-grain arrow, but you can push the arrow through a shield. It's not that bad. But with no more poundage than I shoot, I, I want to – and I'm going to try to shoot him low in the heart. The, the lower you go, the more you get away from the shield. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people lose a hog. They say, "Oh, I shot him and it went in and <clears throat> in the shoulder." Well, they did is shot him in the shoulder blade and mm -hmm. the shield, and so and they probably wouldn't have got him if it had shot through him. But you know what I'm saying? They shoot him too high. Sure. Yeah. But, but if you 
you shoot him right there around that elbow right there whereas where his elbow's at about two inches above his body line there yeah you get him every time and and i've had complete when i say pass through the era the broadhead coming out the other side of big boars with that light set up like that and uh shoot them shoot them right above the heart or in the heart yeah um i think a lot of people tend to shoot them a little too far back too you know um there's their their vitals are a little bit more forward and especially hearts down a little bit you know if you if you try to shoot their elbow off right there or just above it you'll hit him perfect right yeah when you're uh so so when you're successful right and you're like a mile and a half deep or whatever like how how are you getting these things out i mean are you are you are you, I'm guessing you're boning them out, right? Right. I feel for them right there. Put them in, in a sack and put them in my backpack and get gone. Nice. Yeah. That's that, that's kind of the way to do it. We can do that on private land here. Um, you can you can do it on public land, <laughs> but you got to go back and get the carcass, which is which is the, the stupidest thing ever. Because um, I, I still don't understand it. Because we got CWD here, you know, in a lot of areas. And their reasoning is, well, you know, we want, you know, we, we want you to, to get the carcass. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know whether the DNR thinks that uh, the deer here die like a Disney fairy tale death, you know, um, because I mean, there's, <laughs> there's lots of deer that die in the woods that just like, you know, that, that's where they lay. I, I don't understand the purpose of actually going back and getting a carcass out and actually moving it rather than just deboning and, you know, taking stuff. Out. I, I, I don't, I don't understand that. Makes no sense. It, it makes no. I I don't know the rationale. Um, I, years ago, I tried to get um, the the head of the DNR here on the on the podcast, and then we were going to do it, and then I think he had to cancel for some personal reasons or something. So maybe maybe I got a whoever that is nowadays. I don't know if it's the same person or not, but I'd, I'd I'd love to get one of them, you know, on the show and just kind of ask some of these questions because you know a lot of these just don't really make any sense, and I don't know if there's it's just a a public opinion thing. Um, I don't know if there's actually science behind it, but some of it's like, what were you thinking? But anyway, so um, any special packs or anything like that you're doing, or are you just, just like, you know, uh, meat sack or. I, I just, put, I put them in a, in a, some scentless, like a, a, like a garbage bag that you put leaves in, you know, kind of yeah. heavy duty. And uh, put a line my pack inside with it and bone them out. You can put a you can put a big animal in there, and if it's too much, well, I carry more than one bag. Then I'll put the shoulders in other bag and tie them on the outside of my pack. And, right. Uh, if I kill yeah. multiple animals, if I put kill multiple multiple animals, I'll put all the hams in the pack, and, or you know the hindquarters, and then I'll put the shoulders because they won't they're not as heavy and won't tear through the bags probably. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think there's more ways to get stuff out of the woods than than, than people think. I mean, this uh, you know, I've I've got a little like 1800 net cubic inch pack. You know, I mean, I shot a really small deer this year, but I mean, even a bigger one. I mean, if I needed to, I could you know, uh, you know strap to the outside. Or I had game bags too. These game bags I have, uh, they're from Kuyu, uh, and they have like uh, like handles on them too. So I mean, I could like walk with them out. You know, walk out with them. With, you know, as like like two little like luggage bags if I needed to as well, if it didn't all fit in the pack, you know, there's, um, there's plenty to do that. Are you, but, but you're making like one trip, right? Like, are you, are you walking back out and coming back in for it? Or, you know, if let's say, say you got a stand and things like that, or you just kind of, you're in, you do what you can and then get it all out. 
Well, yeah, hey, this is a tip for you guys just married. If you do that, you go in there and you kill the deer and you pack him out, you leave your stand. Then you can tell your wife, you got to, we don't want to buy another stand. Somebody may steal that. I got to go hunting tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to use that. I don't know if that'll fly, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try using that one time. That's funny. It's all out, but, but usually, first of all, I won't hunt the day before I got to go to work. It just causes stress for me. So there's always the next day to go get something mm-hmm. and I'll go hunt probably. And and the re- reality of it is, I mean, if making if I kill a deer a mile in the truck, I could probably make four trips back into that would be easier than dragging him, you know? Sure. Yeah. So it's it's really not a big thing about that. And I, you know, having too many to pack out is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. No kidding. I, unfortunately, I've, I've never uh, <laughs> never been in that situation, but I'm sure it is. Um. So. Have you done any, um, have you done any like out of state hunts at all? Or, or is there any desire to do any out of state hunts? I mean, any dream hunts you kind of want to go on? Uh, well, I killed a, I killed a bear in Canada one time in New Brunswick. That's been probably nearly 30 years ago. And, uh, I have a cousin lives in Alabama and I've hunted with him a couple of times and that's about it. And my dream hunt really is to hunt pigs in Florida. Really? And I know that sounds crazy. I'd like to do that. And uh, I would like to, for some reason, I I want to kill an antelope. I'd like to, I'd like to go hunt antelopes. I guess that's the lazy man hunting because you do it in a blind, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I've got some jacked up knees, so I won't be climbing any mountains. And uh, I mean, I can walk. I mean, it's nothing for me to walk eight nine miles in a day here on flatland. Mm-hmm. But but I went to North Georgia once. To, there's some pretty big mountains in North Georgia. Sure. And uh. And I went up there and uh, was going to bear, I was bear hunting. So I go and I've walked like a few hours and I'm thinking, man, I got to be at least a mile from the truck. I pull up my GPS. It's like 0. 0.24 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I can't, I can't do it. So, okay. So speaking of that, right. So, I mean, I'm a guy that gets lost very, very easily. I will admit that I'm terrible. Like I can navigate, um, I'm good with a map, all that stuff. Right. But as far as like, you know, if you were to walk like 50 yards and spin me around and like, all right, I'm around which directions North, I would seriously have to consult my compass. Right. Um, I'm the guy that gets lost in a target parking lot. So um, (laughs) I I don't know whether it's like people are just kind of like naturally born with a sense of good direction in, in thick cover. But one of the things that I would probably be like really afraid of if I came down there and hunted would be like as soon as i step into like 20 yards into the brush i'm like where am i i'm gonna get lost um what do you do i mean are you like a natural like good uh kind of navigator you just kind of have a good sense of direction know which way you're going um or 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 is it something you developed over time i've kind of developed it over time but you i I won't i mean uh, you got i have a compass around my neck always Mm -hmm. (laughs) I carry a compass. I was old school before GPS and cell phones and all the little gadgets on your phone. I use a compass to get in and out. And uh, I'm very, very uh, observant. And, and uh, I've, you know, I have, you learn to, to find landmarks, things like that. Thinking that you have a super good sense of direction will only get you wor- lost worse. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if you get in the swamps down in there, because I'm telling you, about dark, everything looks the same. Well, you well, learn that, to trust just, that compass. Yeah, that that's just it, you know. And like I said, I, I'm I'm good with a compass, but he, but here's 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 the problem that, that I always have, right? Um, it's one thing when you walk in, let's say you're at, you're at the trailhead parking lot, whatever it is, right? You're like, all right, I'm gonna go east, let's say. Um, and naturally, to be like, hey, to come back out, you're gonna go west. Well, the problem is when you go in there and you start wandering around, you go east. Well, then you turn, uh, you know, you might turn north a little bit. Then you walk a ways and you kind of go northeast a little bit, northwest. You know, you kind of do this meandering loop and you come to, let's say, some sort of uh, like like water or, or whatever. Um, walking dead west doesn't necessarily get you back where you started. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, it, and it may bring you to other obstacles that uh, you may have skirted around when you're walking in, but now you're going to run headlong into it, like a swamp or a marsh. Because there's a lot of swampy areas, marshy areas that, that, that I hunt around here. So that that that's yeah. my that's my kind of problem, right? It's it's not it's not a matter of like my walking east, west, north, whatever. It's uh, if I walk and meander a bit, and then like okay, um, I'm going to go you know dead you know one direction, but I may have kind of looped around. Uh, a big river that I may not be able to, you know, I can keep walking for miles and they may not be able to cross back over. So that, that's, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I would, before, I mean, I have a GPS now. I, I, I can't remember if I, the last time I've had to use it, but <laughs> I, I hunt things like when, if I go into a, a, a new WMA or a place, you know, I hadn't hunted much, I'll, I'll ride around and, and uh, look for, hunter sign from the road you can tell if somebody's pulling in a place and wearing it out sure but then i try to go to a place also i'll look at the map where i can get the farthest away from anybody but uh i will have uh i will memorize that block i mean i will know it in the dark i'll i'll, I'll go in late season with the leaves gone see up there i guess you're freezing to death if you try to scout right now yeah, as long but as long as you keep moving you're okay <laughs> Yeah, it's the perfect time of the year to scout down here because the weather's, you know, it's, you're not going to be sweated down. Yeah. The leaves are gone. You can see the lay of the land. You can see the the creeks, the sloughs. And, I mean, you can use the different kind of mass trees in a certain bottom to know, like, our swamp will be in levels. Like, you'll have an upper level that'll have white oaks and swamp chestnuts and things, and then it'll drop a level. To wetter soil and you'll have water oaks and then it'll drop and you'll have gum trees and cypress and you'll memorize the levels of where you're at in the swamp it's it, and i mean there's there's ways to to do it you know and and mm -hmm. like if I, I i used to before gps even the swamps that i knew when i hit a hit the say there's a creek crossing like the only place i can cross this creek or this branch well i would that's, I mean, I would get a good compass bearing right there. And, uh, you know, usually, I, like, if I were to find a feed tree, say, somewhere a couple hundred yards from that crossing, I would walk a straight line during the daytime. And, you know, with a, when I was going in, I'd try to keep a straight line and write that bearing down. I have a pencil and a map and then turn around and walk it back out. And I would usually hang a piece of toilet paper right there, take it mm -hmm. out with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a good, that's a good tip. So you're actually taking a physical map in you with you too sometimes or. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I also, I would like if, uh, say the, from where I'm at, if I had to angle towards my, uh, 
crossing point, I may walk straight to the creek and then walk down the creek. That way I can't sure. miss it. I won't, I won't overshoot it. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You you follow you follow the creek till you come across something you're familiar familiar with and across from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we here, um <laughs> we we we've got kind of everything here, right? I and mean, we we've got um We've got like like kind of oak flats. We got plateaus. We got river bottoms. But and uh, in, in, in some of the flats, even there's like boggy, uh, you know, condi- you know, depending on how uh, how much it's rained or how much the snow melted from the spring, right? I mean, some of the places this year I was able to just walk straight through um, would probably be over my head in water, uh, which would probably be this spring because we've got a lot of we've got a lot of a uh, lot of snow this year. So um, some some of those the terrain features that you um, can memorize just over the years uh they may or may not be able to you, you may or may they may or may not be passable you know depending on depending on the year depending on the time, time of the season so um that, that's some of the stuff we run you know i run into too so i mean i think the key is like you said familiarity like there's 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 a lot of wmas a lot, a lot of public land around me and i know a lot of it um but you know every now and then i'll, st- I'll still kind of get turned around like um and, and, and you'd feel like really stupid about it, you know, but then you kind of, you know, you, you work your way and none of these areas are that far away that I can't hear, let's say like a distant road, for example, even, um, even if I'm like some, some areas that are maybe like a mile or two in, I'm probably closer to another road. I may not be able to get to that road, but that gives me a clue that, Hey, I'm probably close to that road. Here's where I probably am. And here's the direction I need to walk even if it's not going to that road, it's going away from that road, but it gives me a mental idea of kind of where I'm probably located, you know, without having to look at a GPS. Um, I'm trying to get better at that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Man. That's the big woods hunting is, uh, it's got some challenges to it, but it's, I, I don't really don't worry about it. I mean, I've never had to spend the night in the woods. <laughs> Uh, now, one time I got on a blood trail, this before GPS, I got on a blood trail, one of those those looping blood trails, and uh, ran out of toilet paper. You know how you drop a little piece at each spot yeah. as I was trailing? And the last hundred yards, I was out of toilet paper. And uh, finally found my animal, got him in the pack, and it was that was a little tricky deal there. And uh, I actually heard uh, there was a house a long ways away on the other side of the river. And some so for some reason at night they crunk up a chainsaw, <laughs> and uh, it's like I mean I'd probably still be down there if it wasn't for that. But <laughs> I heard the chainsaw and I knew exactly where you know which I didn't know where I was at, but I knew which direction I needed to go. Yeah, and that was pretty that was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I started I, carrying uh, I started carrying a whistle too. You know, one time uh, this is about maybe five, five six seven years ago maybe I was I was hunting in one of these swamps over here. And it's one of those where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I came in a certain way and I'm like, well, I'm going to go this other kind of more straight direction to kind of cut time, right? Kind of cutting through cattails and things like that. And then I got lost and more lost and more lost. I'm like, crap, what am I doing? And then I came to this uh, kind of creek, river, whatever. And I'm like, man, where did this come from? I didn't, you know, this was going to be here. You know, I was, I was expecting to get back on the trail or whatever. So, um, <laughs> so I actually started like, uh, it's an area where other people hunt, right? So I actually started like yelling, right? Like just to see if anyone could hear me like, hello, you know, you feel really stupid doing that, but yeah, I'd feel more stupid, like spending the night in the woods. And, uh, luckily another, another hunter hurt me out there. Right. And he kind of like flagged me in with his, uh, um, uh, flashlight and things like that. And I kind of came around and then, um, but if, if, 
if you've never been lost and try to communicate with someone through like like yelling like in the woods first of all your your uh your throat's going to be sore like it's it, it's going to hurt doing it communication sucks um so when i got out of there i'm like you know what i'm i'm gonna get a whistle because <laughs> those whistles are a lot one of those emergency whistle kind of things so it's what's it's another thing that i kind of keep in my uh uh, in my, in my, I don't want to make it sound like I get lost all the time. Like it's happened like once or, you know, like that one time. Right. And I'll get turned around and I'll find them there or whatever. But, um, it's just another one of those things that now I just keep in my, in my pack because, um, having, having done it, it like your throat is going to go raw in no time. Right. And it's not going to help anybody. Cause then you're not going to be able to communicate, you know, uh, <laughs> with anybody when you really need it. So it's just, it's just those things that you kind of do when you, you kind of live and learn and then adjust your, uh, adjust your, a, your knowledge, your strategy, and your uh, your equipment, you know, to, to kind of, uh, for, for the future, hoping you're never going to have to use it again. Yep, yep. That's, uh, I don't care. I don't, I've never carried a whistle. I got some friends that do. But uh, I'm usually hunting by myself, and there's nobody to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm lucky this guy was walking out. It was it was uh, end, of, end of shooting time, you know, it was dark. It was getting darker and darker, and and he happened to be walking by and I, you know, like I started yelling at him from like a quarter mile away or whatever. And then he, he waited for me and kind of flagged me in. So it worked out, but, uh, you know, so anywho, um, so I, I probably had you on long enough. I'd probably talk to you for hours, Marzi. I mean, you're, like I said, you're, uh, the, the stuff you guys are doing down there, I got probably picked your brain for a long, long time, but, um, you know, any other, when is your season end here? We can probably start wrapping this up pretty soon. Uh, you still, you're still out there hunting. You're still, uh, chasing stuff. I'm, I'm walking around. I can hunt pigs till uh, January the, uh, I mean, February the 28th, last day of February. Okay. Our deer season ended, I think it was January the 9th. Okay. Yeah, we got small game here till the end of February, so I hope to get out a couple more times. Uh, I, I was saying that this month, but it hasn't It hasn't happened. I haven't, I haven't set foot in the woods since the middle of November, or no, middle of uh, early December, actually. So I'm kind of itching to get out there and uh, at least even just walk around with a bow in my hand, you know, and shoot stumps. I've been going at least one day a week. Yeah. And uh, I don't, hunt, I don't, I put stuff online, but I, I don't hunt as much as people think. I hunt, uh, usually didn't want, uh, I'll hunt pretty hard through September and October if I can. At least, uh, I'll climb at least four times a week. Yeah. That four sits. But then I may only get to hunt once or twice a week after that. You know, what I mean, say hunt like a half a day's hunt, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so well, now, anyway, but, I mean, I, I got to, I mean, no matter what, I mean, you're, you're kind of like, uh, like I said, you're kind of legendary, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really glad I got, I got a chance to actually talk to you and pick your brain. You know, I, this was, uh, one of the, uh, you're the other like one of the kind of like highlight people I've been trying to, you know, hoping to talk to. So I feel kind of honored that, uh, you came on. I know it's late for you down there too. It's, you know, you're an hour ahead. So, um, so with again anybody still living under a rock where where can they where can they find you where can they watch all your stuff and i have a youtube channel robert carter traditional bun and uh and i really it's just fun i enjoy putting the stuff out there i had no idea anybody want to watch that stuff but it's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) well i mean like i said i i started hearing or like seeing your name uh, like I don't really go on forums anymore, you know, cause they kind of died out, but even on forums, I mean, you've been, you've been on, you know, like you've been, your name has been tossed around for a long, long time. So, um, you know, and I think it's all that stuff's kind of moved to the, to the video side of things now. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing that, uh, you know, sharing all that, uh, all that knowledge down there and stuff. So I'm glad, and I'm glad you uh, let me ask you some, 
I don't know, to you, they're probably pretty basic questions, you know, but for me, they're, you know, places I need to improve on. So, you know, who, who better to ask, right? I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, this stuff is really fun. And I can tell you now, the biggest tip of all is for me, when I started enjoying my hunting the most is when it didn't matter if I killed something or not. If yeah. you, if you put the time in, you, you'll get opportunities. But there was one point where I was, I was uh, like, you know, I'd get disappointed. I, you know, it's a blessing to be alive. Get out there and enjoy some time in the woods, and and if you get the opportunity, you know, make the best of it. It's uh, but it's easy to people want to put pressure on themselves or something like this. You know, I hunt because it's fun. I don't care if anybody likes it or not. It it is what it is. That's a and uh. You know, but I, I enjoy, I, I have guns. And uh, my buddy John, the older guy I told you about, uh, the last few years he was alive and he couldn't shoot his bow and he hunted with a pistol. And uh, he killed a, probably 20 deer with the pistol there. And, uh, and you know, and I bought a pistol to go hunting with him and he passed. And I always, every year I've said, I'm going to go kill one with a pistol, but I always grab that longbow. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I do have... Sooner or later, I'll probably crack one with it. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd love to see it. So, all right, uh, gonna probably end end this over here. Wanna hang out with me uh, while I while I wrap up here after we start recording? So, um, thanks thanks for being on again. Appreciate it, uh, everybody. Go go follow Robert. Um, ton of, ton of knowledge, obviously. And then uh, you know, uh, if you like this episode, obviously go follow Bohoning Soul. Uh, gonna start putting out more videos out there i haven't really done any videos in, in, in a few months it's just been too cold too snowy and i've been working too much so um but i'm gonna get back into you know doing some more more videos out there so uh if you like this video please like share and subscribe and uh thanks for listening all right